Praise the Lord, everybody. All right, I do this every single time. Let's try that again. Praise the Lord, somebody. Very good. It's good to see you on a Sunday morning. It is uh, good to be in the presence of God. And I'm, I, I come to church with a great expectation that God is going to do something in someone's life today. Do you? Do you believe that? Praise the Lord. We have a few announcements today. Three quarters of my announcements are dismissals dealing with this upcoming week. Tuesday, our no, uh, November 22nd, the Tuesday morning prayer will be dismissed due to Thanksgiving holidays. Wednesday service will also be dismissed. And Saturday, November 26th, the men's prayer will be dismissed due to the Thanksgiving holidays. And please remember that uh, we will have our Grace Christmas service titled God With Us on Sunday, December 18th. Do you love the Lord this morning? Do you love the Lord this morning? Can you stand to your feet, continue, continue to give God ovation of praise, and let's lift our voices to the Lord this morning. God bless you. Ever overcoming your light, there is no rival that could ever stand against your might. You've always been with us. Every battle you've already won, we've already won. Some point. 
in worship today. It's fitting. It's beautiful. It's a good thing to give praise and worship to God. And thank you, praise team, once again for what you do. Incredibly talented group of people. Yeah, you can return to your seats. Thank you, praise team. Talented group of people. Multi-talented group of people. Some of you may not have noticed but the guitar that Brother Steve Bunch is playing today is a little different. He built this one. The whole thing. And it's amazing. I got to play it earlier. I just had to give you some props for that, Brother Steve. It's, it's a good thing. He builds a guitar, and he's up here on the platform playing it. It's a great thing. I want to give you a heads up before we read our text this morning. This sermon will start quickly. Um, I know that I've established a pattern here at Grace Church of telling you stories about how my mother mistreated me and things that my father did to me. Uh, we're not going to use that as a launching pad today. We're going to read a text and we are going to get right in. So I want you to, um, I want you to be zoned in from the get-go. We're going to read a text and we'll pray and be seated. In Luke chapter 6, verses 6 through 11, we're going to read from the King James today. It says, And it came to pass also on another Sabbath that he, speaking of Jesus, entered into the synagogue and taught. So he, he went to church on the Sabbath day. And while he was teaching, there was a man there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and Pharisees watched Jesus whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might find an accusation against him. 
But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to the man which had the withered hand, Rise up and stand forth in the midst. One translation says that Jesus told him to get up and stand in front of everyone. And he arose and stood forth. Then Jesus said unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to destroy it? And looking round about them all, he said unto the man, Stretch forth thy hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored whole as the other. And the scribes and Pharisees were filled with madness and communed one with another what they might do to Jesus. I want to preach to you for just a little while this morning about that one thing, that one thing. Let's pray and we'll see what the Lord has for us today. Lord, I thank you once again that we have the opportunity to stand in this pulpit to open your word. Lord, I pray that you would help me today. Help me to deliver what you've given. I pray that you would help them today, help their ears to hear spiritually and receive. Lord, I know that you want to do something that will help somebody today if they can just understand that you are good. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you today, Grace Church. You can be seated. Look at your neighbor, your favorite neighbor, and tell them that one thing, that one thing. It might be pretty easy to get distracted by the framework of this particular miracle. The Pharisees trying to find fault with Jesus anywhere they could, so they're, they're watching his every move, looking to see where Jesus might violate the man-made traditions that the Pharisees had elevated to be equal with the original Mosaic law. And so I, it's, it's helpful to understand that backstory and that framework, but that's not our focus today. Instead, our attention is on this man in the congregation that Jesus called out to and healed, the man with the withered hand. The story of this man and his condition is actually told three times in Scripture. It's in Mark uh, 3, Matthew 12, and then our text today in Luke 6. And we're pulling from Luke's account today mainly because Luke offers the most complete telling of the, uh, the medical miracle, the physical miracle. Luke was a professional physician. He was a physician by trade. So it makes a certain amount of sense that he would focus on the physical medical side of this miracle. And one of the key differences between the three gospel accounts is Luke's language in describing this man's condition. See, in Matthew and Mark's telling of this story, both of those disciples use the same Greek word for withered. Whenever they say his withered hand, they, they use the Greek word zeros. And that's an adjective in the Greek. It means to be dried up from the base through scorching. Zeros. Dried up from the base through scorching. That word zeros conveys the visual image of a hand that has shrunken and dried up like a plant 
that has been scorched by the sun and had all of its life-giving juices dried up by heat. That's, that's Matthew and Mark's account. Luke, though, the physician, he uses a different word to describe this man's condition. It's a little different, but closely related. It's not an adjective. Luke uses a verb, zerayno. And I'm probably butchering this. I've told you before, I do not have a degree in Greek. I have a degree in Google. Zerayno, with a little bit of Watson twang thrown in. Now, Luke's choice of words, though, doesn't change the state of this man's hand. His hand was still in the same condition, withered and dried up like a sun-scorched plant. But what Luke's choice of words adds in detail is that this affliction was something of a process. His hand was made to become this way. Like the wasting of crops that have been left too long in the field. It wasn't just withered, but it had become withered in time. So here's the point with the language lesson as I'm killing this right at the beginning of this sermon. Luke's language means that his hand hadn't always been this way. Luke understood that something had happened to this man. This condition wasn't something that he had been born with. There was an injury or an infection somewhere along the way that caused his hand to shrivel and dry up like a plant in the heat. So what I want you to get here is this withered hand of his was his body's natural response to injury, infection, or his environment. A wound, a hurt that, that wouldn't heal right. There, some factor in his surroundings had robbed the life and function out of that one part of him over time. I want you to get the, the total picture of his condition. See, people in their community knew this man. They, they knew he had a problem with his hand. Jewish communities being what they were at the time, they probably knew his whole history, not just his current condition. That man had one thing wrong with him, and everybody knew about it. His right hand was withered. That's what he was known for. That withered hand had become a part of his identity. Everybody knew. Everybody knew. Who? Oh, him? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, he's the guy with the withered hand. It wasn't Jason or, or Ben or Ethan or Cole. It was, oh, yeah, the, the, guy, the guy with the withered hand. He wasn't called by his name in Scripture. He was identified by his condition, that one dysfunctional thing about him. Now, that's not really fair, is it? Because as far as Scripture tells us, there wasn't anything else seriously wrong with this man. There was nothing wrong with his eyes. He could see. He had vision. There was nothing wrong with his ears. He, he could hear and discern voices. Nothing wrong with his legs. He had two legs and they both worked. As far as we know, he could get up and go places. He was mobile on his own. He didn't have to rely on somebody else to, to put him on a pallet and take him to church. 
He got there of his own ability. According to Scripture, he even had one good hand. He wasn't, he wasn't a complete invalid. He could do a lot of things for himself. He could feed himself. He could dress himself. He could probably do some type of work. It was an agrarian society, so maybe, maybe he couldn't do everything that everybody else could do. Some opportunities, sure, would be closed to him. He might not be able to lift as much. He might not be able to use the same tools. You know, in, in the Jewish traditions, if, if, if those traditions about this man are true, at one point in time he was a stonemason, so probably he couldn't do that work anymore. He probably couldn't be a, be a blacksmith. He couldn't go out into the field and, and gather wheat with both hands. He could only use one hand, but, but he could still do something. He couldn't do everything that other people could do, but he could do some things. He could still function. Maybe he even got some kind of use out of that withered hand. And I want to be very sensitive today. But, but maybe he got some kind of use out of that hand. Maybe he could balance things on it. Or maybe he could, he could press it fast and, and hold something against his body if he needed to. At this point in his condition, he had probably learned to function with the dysfunction in that one part of his body. In this one area of his life that, that didn't work, he had probably learned how to compensate by now. He wasn't whole, but he wasn't empty either. He wasn't at 100%, but he wasn't at zero either. His health wasn't what he wanted it to be, but he wasn't helpless either. But in spite of all of the healthy parts of him, what he was most known for and what in some ways had become his identity was this condition, this one part of him, that, that one thing, his withered hand. And what had started out slowly, a distant ache here, a little numbness there, Something that didn't quite feel right one day, a small loss of movement another day, had, had over time progressed and processed into defining what he was known for. And here he was at church again, like he had been countless times before, but little did he know. That today, something was going to be different. Today was going to be something that he didn't expect. An encounter with Jesus, who was, who was just looking to do something good for somebody who needed it, and heal that one thing. Let's look at it. Luke says Jesus told him to get up and stand in front of everyone. Before he healed him. Jesus didn't work this miracle hidden from public eye like he did with some blind men in Mark 8 and Matthew 9. Jesus didn't take him outside of town and do the miracle. He didn't pull him aside over in the corner somewhere and work the miracle and tell him, now don't tell anybody about this like he did with some. He didn't do that. Jesus dealt with this man's condition right there in the middle of everybody. 
the regular Sabbath day crowd, the fault-finding scribes and Pharisees that were mixed in, the man with the withered hand, he was there just trying to blend in with the crowd as best he could, trying his best to not draw more attention to this condition of his. But Jesus calls him out of the crowd. Do y'all know how uncomfortable that can be? Who wants to just come stand up here at the front the rest of the time I preach? I don't want you to do anything. Just come and stand up. I'm kidding. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to do that because that's uncomfortable. Just to come up in the front of everybody and just stand there? No, thank you. I'll pass. But Jesus doesn't just call him out. Doesn't make him just stand up where he's sitting. No, Jesus makes him come and stand in the middle of everybody. And then he says... Stretch out your hand. Right there in front of everybody, man. That, that one thing about him that was broken. Jesus called him up and said, stretch it out. That one thing that cripples you. That one thing that hinders you. Stretch it out. That one thing that, that you hate about yourself the most. That one thing that you wish you could change, but you can't. That one thing that's closed so many opportunities in your life. Yeah, that one. That thing. That's the one. That one thing. That's the one I'm talking about. Stretch it out. Feels about like I thought it would feel in here this morning whenever I got to this part of the message. I wonder... If Jesus had to tell him to stretch it out for a reason. Like, like maybe, maybe he, he tried his best to, to hide it. In the sleeve of his robe. Or, or maybe, maybe he, just, he would tuck it away somewhere. Just to avoid the stares. And not get the looks. Maybe, maybe he carried it close to his body for another reason. Maybe, maybe he, he didn't want it to, to keep getting in the way and causing problems because he, he couldn't control it the way that he wanted to all the time. Whatever the reason, Jesus had to tell him, stretch it out. I wonder if he hesitated. Scripture doesn't say he did, but he was human. And who wants their problem, their weakness, their condition, their flaw exposed like that? Who wants everyone's attention in the room drawn and focused on the one thing that's wrong with them? If Jesus had asked him to stretch out his left hand, that's no problem, Jesus. Look, see, it works. It works. I, I can do anything you want to. You want me to pick that up for you, Jesus? I got it. Whatever kind of work you need with this left hand, I got you, Jesus. I can do that. This one works. If Jesus would have told him to stretch out one of his feet, that's not a problem. Where do, where do you want to go, Jesus? I'll walk with you. I'll, I'll race you. I'll run with you, Jesus. Wherever you want to go, the feet work. But this right hand, this one, this, this withered, dried up, nerveless, 
paralyzed, weak, lifeless hand. You want me to stretch that one out? And Jesus said, absolutely I do. I want you to stretch that part of you, that, that one thing that you are most self-conscious about, that, that one wounded extremity. I want you to stretch that one out away from yourself and toward me. Jesus asked him to expose that one thing that was wrong. Much like the woman at the well that Brother Ben preached about a couple of Sundays ago. Jesus called him to expose his reality. Not to hurt him, but to heal him. He wasn't trying to harm him. Jesus was trying to help him. But in order for Jesus to do the work that he wanted to do, there was going to be an exposure of the thing that he couldn't help on his own. That one thing. Jesus called him to stretch out that withered hand. Not to ridicule him. Not to shame him. Jesus wasn't trying to draw even more attention to his deficiency, Jesus wanted to heal the one thing that he needed healing most. And Jesus said, you stretch it. The choice is yours. I'm not going to expose it for you. I'm not going to stretch it for you. Jesus didn't reach down and, and grab his hand and lift it up for him. Jesus said, you stretch it out. And if you'll stretch it away from yourself, where you keep it hidden and trying to support it on your own, if you'll stretch it away from yourself and surrender it to me, I'll heal it. I'll help it. But you've got to, you've got to surrender. You've got to stretch it out. And if you will do that, I'll take that dysfunction and I will cause it to work for you instead of always working against you. Now, now pay, pay attention. This is critical that you get this part. Jesus didn't say anything about his sin. Now, we don't know that the man was a ranked sinner, but he was human. We already know that the law wasn't enough to make us righteous. He, he had sin to be dealt with. Jesus didn't deal with that. He did that with some of the people that he healed. He dealt with their sin first and then gave them the miracle. Jesus didn't say anything about his sin. Jesus didn't say anything about his lifestyle like he did with some people. Jesus didn't say anything about his motives like he did with a few. Jesus didn't commend his faith, and Jesus didn't condemn his faith like he did with some. He didn't want to address anything else about this man or his life other than that one thing. I know this is catching somebody by surprise today. You weren't expecting this whenever you came to Grace Church. This is, this is coming out of left field for you. I want you to just relax. Look at your neighbor and tell him, just relax. Just relax. I don't want y'all to tighten up and get all weird about this, about this exposing and, and stretching language. Jesus is not here to wreck your world. He, he's not here to do you harm. Jesus isn't coming into Grace Church today to say, well, I'll heal you. 
I'll heal that one thing of yours if you'll sign these 18 documents and, and, and do these 18 steps and fork over $40,000 and quit your job and move to Africa and oh yeah, quit sinning. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's not trying to turn everything in your life upside down. He just wants to heal something in you that needs healing. That one thing. That man didn't have to do some, some laundry list of behaviors like he was trying to apply for a 30-year fixed mortgage. Jesus didn't give him a list of to-dos and to-don'ts. He showed up to church and was obedient in the moment to the call Jesus gave. And Jesus didn't ask him for anything else. That man didn't know what was going to happen either. He, he was caught just as much caught by surprise as some of you here today. And this is not what I was expecting whenever I came to church today. He felt the same way. He didn't get some kind of inside track angelic message whenever he rolled out of bed that morning that he was going to encounter God incarnate whenever he got to church and get his healing. That didn't happen. One of the disciples didn't pull him aside whenever he got to the synagogue and, and them say, hey, listen, Jesus had his eye on you. He's going to heal you today. Make sure you listen. He didn't get that. Whenever Jesus called him up in front of everybody, Jesus didn't grab him by the arm and pull him in close and say, hey, listen, I'm about to heal you. Make sure you do exactly what I tell you to do. He didn't get any of that. He just went to synagogue on the Sabbath like he had been taught, like he had been doing for years, carrying that one thing with him like he had done, no telling how many Sabbaths before. But this time, Jesus showed up. And didn't just show up, but called to him. And called him to rise up and come out of the crowd. On a regular old Sunday at church, Jesus asked him to do something that was out of the ordinary. And told him to stretch out that one, that one glaring, emotionally complicated issue of his right there in front of everybody. And he stretched it out in obedience. Hopeful, I would imagine, but probably a little uncertain. And Jesus did something miraculous and unexpected with that withered, hopeless, complicated, dried up, dysfunctional part of him. Now that's pretty good. But it gets better. Because Jesus made it whole. The language of scripture is clear. It says restored whole or completely healthy. One translation says restored it just like the other one. Man, that's awesome. Because that means just like that, in, in a moment, his capacity doubled. Instead of one hand... Now he had two. Instead of five fingers, now he had ten. In one moment of uncomfortable, emotionally charged uncertainty, Jesus took that one problematic part of his life and doubled, used it to double his capacity. 
used it to make him able to do more than he'd ever been able. In one moment of uncomfortable stretching and surrender of that one thing, Jesus opened up new possibilities. In that one moment of stretching and surrender of that one thing, Jesus opened up new opportunities. He erased shame. He erased, he erased insecurity. He removed the obstacles of the past and changed his identity. He wasn't the man with the withered hand anymore. Because of one moment of surrender, Jesus touched that one thing, and it completely changed his life. So by way of concluding today, I, I, I want to ask you, what, what's your one thing? What's your one thing? What's, what's your one thing that you came in with this morning? That one dysfunctional thing that limits your capacity. What's your withered hand that you carried with you into Grace Church today? Yeah, you can, you can still function. You can still get to church. You can still go to work. You can still get by. You can still get around in life just fine. You can, you can still... Hear and discern voices. Your lungs work. Your heart works. You're not in any danger. You're not about to die. You're getting by okay. But you've got this one thing. This one thing that you carry. You, you keep it covered up pretty well most days. Look, I'm not, I'm not talking about sin. This isn't one of those sermons. If you've got sin, you need to deal with it. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. That's what it's there for. This isn't a, an expose all of your sin kind of sermon. Just loosen up. That's not what this is about. Something happened to you. I wish somebody would listen to me today. Something happened to you. It's an old injury, a wound that didn't heal right. It's a response to the environment that you've been in. And most of the time, you do pretty good at keeping it from getting in the way and causing problems. But it's always hanging there. It's always a painful reminder of what happened or what could have been. I know you're not utterly hopeless. And I know you're not completely helpless, but you're not whole either. What is, what's that one thing that you would love for Jesus to heal on a regular old Sunday at church? What's that, what's that one thing that it would change your life if Jesus made it whole? Is that one thing your anger? Is that your one thing? Your anger and how it ruins things sometimes with the people that you care most about? Is that your one thing? Is it that failed relationship? And how it clouds some of the interactions that you have is it an old disappointment with yourself 
and you live with the pangs of regret some days and what could have been if you'd only done something different. Maybe it's an old disappointment with God. Come on, can we be real today? Something didn't work out the way that you hoped in spite of how much you prayed. And it just keeps coming back up over and over again at the worst of times. Is that your one thing? What's the one thing that you came in with today? Is it a busted dream? A chronic illness? You have a troubled marriage? Maybe it's your kids. Whatever your one thing is, Jesus is here today with the question. Will you stretch it forth? Will you? Will you stretch that one thing out toward me? Will you quit trying to to hold on to it and deal with it yourself and thinking this is just the way life is going to be now and and no it's not my fault that it happened this way but this is where we are and so I'm just going to I'm just going to try to deal with it as best I can. Jesus is asking, will you surrender it to me? Will you stretch it out to me? Because if you'll stretch it out to me and surrender, I'll do something with it you didn't expect. Y'all stand with me today. Jason, I've heard what you said. Man, I've even done it before. I've stretched it out before, but here... Here we are, still there. Jason, what if, what if the one thing, that one thing that I'm dealing with today, what if it's doubt? What if that's what I'm struggling with today? Even if your one thing, please hear me today, even if your one thing is doubt, Even if your withered hand that you came in with today is doubting whether God can or whether he will, whether he even wants to heal or do something in your situation, maybe you're doubting. I don't even know that God cares. In a congregation this size, there's probably more than one. Man, Jason, I don't even know if God's real anymore. I want to show you something that changed my thinking and how I feel in my own heart when I'm dealing with doubt. Matthew chapter 28, verses 17 through 20. In churchy circles, we call it the Great Commission. But look at this. It says, when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to who? To who? To them. And Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always. Jesus came to all of them, even the doubters. Jesus called all of them, even the doubters. 
Jesus commissioned all of them to spread the gospel, the most important mission in the entire universe. Even the doubters. Jesus promised, I am with you always, even to the doubters. Everybody that was around Jesus that day, everybody that was close to Jesus that day received the same call and received the same promise, even the ones who weren't sure. I don't know how that fits with your theology today, but for the ones who came in and your one thing is doubt, I hope that gives you a huge amount of comfort because you've got the same call, you've got the same access, you've got the same promise that all of these other people that have their faith at 100. Listen, Jesus didn't separate them that day. He didn't say all of you people over here with super 100 plus faith, y'all go stand over there. And all of those that aren't quite sure, you go stand over there. You folks, I'm calling you. You go. I'm with you always. My promise is for you. And you people over here, you doubters, you just got to figure it out for yourself. That is not what happened. Even if your one thing that you carried in today is doubt, I want you to know that Jesus is here for you. He wants an encounter with you. I know you weren't expecting it. I know you thought where my heart is, where my head is, I don't think Jesus can do anything for me. You didn't expect it, but he arranged for a meeting with you today. I want you to know it's okay. He understands. He's not mad at you. He's not disappointed with you. He just, I'm going to go back to what I said at the beginning. He just wants to do something good for you. And that one thing that you've been learning to function with, he wants to heal. If you'll rise up, if you'll make a move toward him, if you'll stretch out that one thing and surrender and give him an opportunity to do what only Jesus can do. Oh, I wish somebody helped me pray this morning. This is it. I don't know if you're expecting something else. The altars are open. I believe the calling of God has gone out in this place, and it has not been unclear. He's reaching for you today. He wants to heal that one thing. I know you're tired of carrying it, and he wants to heal it. Man, we've got a, a perfect combination for somebody to walk out of here whole today. I'm not dealing with that anger anymore. That busted relationship isn't going to affect all of my other relationships anymore. What happened to me and what injured me is not going to be a constant drag on my life. I'm not going to have to keep it in hiding anymore. Because he healed it, I oh, will somebody invite Jesus in. Get close to him. The Bible says his spirit is the water of life. The water of life for whatever's dried up in you. For whatever isn't working in you because it's been scorched out of you and burned out of you by life, his spirit is water. If you're good, great. Find somebody to pray with. If you need prayer, let somebody know. I need a healing. I need God to do something in me. I need that one thing to be touched. I don't want to go out of here the same way.
Jesus, you change it.